You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Is that Jesus in Acts 1, and we're going we're gonna to reference this as we speak, as I speak this morning, at the ascension, uh, and, and those of you who don't know the ascension, that Jesus had resurrected, he had, he had shown himself to the disciples for 40 days, and then he goes and he is about to ascend to heaven, to his, his place beside the Father, at the right hand of the Father. That's where the New Testament tells us that He is. He is the great and faithful high priest. He is the intercessor. He is the one who has made access, who has brought us into relationship with God. He is the one who provides us grace and righteousness. All these wonderful things. But Jesus, if we actually take a step back, begins to talk about the Holy Spirit to the disciples in His farewell address in John 14, 15, and 16. And he begins to tell them something they didn't understand. But when we fast forward to Acts 1, we see that they're experiencing what he had talked about in John 14, 15, and 16. And in John 14, 15, and 16, he's telling them that I'm going to go away. I'm going to leave, but it's good that I leave because when I leave, I'm going to send you somebody. And he is going to be an advocate. He is the Holy Spirit. He is God. And He is going to dwell in you, and He is going to testify to you about Me. He is going to testify to you about Me in the state that I will be in the resurrected state. He is going to testify to you about the fact that I have overcome. That about the fact that you are in Me, and that if you are in Me, that you are an overcomer too. Okay? So in Acts 1, as Jesus is ascending to heaven... He told them to go and to wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit would come upon them. And so in Acts 2, what we're reading right now is a fulfillment of that. But what they were gathered for was actually a festival or a feast called Pentecost. And it was celebrated in Jerusalem. There was a migration back to Jerusalem for all these Jews that they would come into Jerusalem and they were celebrating the time that God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. And that's what they were remembering and that's what they were celebrating. And so the disciples were gathered in what is called in the Bible the upper room and they were waiting for the whole they were waiting in obedience to what Jesus had told them. And in Acts 2, 1 through 4, this is what takes place. And on the day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost came, and they were all together in one place. Suddenly, A sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. And all of a sudden, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that Jesus had promised in Acts 1. This is the fulfillment of what Jesus had said in John 14 and 16. This is the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to talk about this this morning, but before we do, I'm going to step back a little bit, and I want to do a little bit of course correction for our church and for the church as a whole and for our hearts, because a lot of times, if we declare ourselves to be believers, and, I, and if you're not a believer this morning, you need to step into that. You need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not just so that you can have forgiveness of sins and go to heaven, but that you can have peace and grace, what we talked about during communion. You need that. But one thing that the church has 
wavered off of is this truth, is that it has not acknowledged the Godhead of the Holy Spirit. It has lost a little bit of traction with that. And we don't realize that the Holy Spirit is God. That the Holy Spirit is a person. That He is the promise of what Jesus said would come, would fill us, would baptize us, would empower us, would speak to us about the truth of the resurrected Jesus Christ that would put us in power for the mission of what we have been created and called to do. And to set the foundation correctly, what we need to do is that we need to go back and look at the person of the Holy Spirit. And we have to, the first step that we have to take is in our heart is to say, Holy Spirit, we recognize you and we honor you as God. In John 14, 15, and 17, it says this. This is Jesus talking. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. John 16, 7 says this. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. The Holy Spirit is God. He is co-equal with God. He is God. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are co-equal God, and they are one. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is the promise that Jesus said would come. The person of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, that baptizes us, is the promise of what Jesus said would be with us forever. As a matter of fact, in John 14, Jesus tells the disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you alone, but the Holy Spirit will come. The Holy Spirit is the promise that Jesus gave. The Holy Spirit is the helper. He is the advocate who displays the power of the resurrection. That is what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us. He is our strength and He is our power. The Holy Spirit testifies about Jesus Christ to us continually. And the Holy Spirit will testify about the power of the resurrection to us Constantly, if we will listen and dwell in the nature of the Holy Spirit. If we will commune with the Holy Spirit, He will tell us this. Why is that significant and why is that important? Because if we don't recognize the Holy Spirit is God, then we won't reverence Him. He will be a byproduct. He will be a spooky ghost in the corner that sometimes we like and sometimes we don't like. But if He is God, then we will honor Him and we will reverence Him. That if we don't believe that He is the promise, then we won't look for Him. We won't look for Him and expect Him to speak. And if we don't think that He will testify of these things to us, then we won't listen. Because in this world, there are a lot of things that are blazing around us, and our minds are going, 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 but there is only one way to get still and to hear God's thoughts, and that is through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit testifies 
about the power of the resurrection. He testifies about the truth of Jesus Christ. And He is our advocate and our helper in our times of need. That's what this Scripture tells us. Now this is what I want to talk about. I want to go into, everybody okay this morning so far? Alright, great. I want to talk about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that we see in Acts 2 here. The first thing that I want to talk to you about is this, is the baptism of salvation. And in Matthew 3.11, this is what John the Baptist said. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let me break this down and explain to you what John is saying here. Because what it sometimes is called John's baptism or the baptism of repentance is what we call the baptism of salvation. Now this is what matters, friends. This is what matters and this is where we start. Is that we must come into the baptism of salvation when we acknowledge Jesus Christ as both Lord, Messiah, and Savior. He must be Lord. He must be God. But He is also the promised Messiah that the Old Testament spoke of. He is the One who has come to redeem man back to God. And He is also Savior, the only One who can save us from our sins, from the indebtedness of our decisions that was made right after creation that we constantly live in. He is the only One who can save us, so He must be Lord, He must be Messiah, and He must be Savior. This is the baptism of salvation. This is what we all have to have. And this is where your relationship with Jesus begins. You have to have this. Let me explain that just a little bit more. And, 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 and forgive me for being so direct because I don't want to be hard this morning and I want to be filled with grace because this is a beautiful, wonderful grace. But we need to understand what the Word says. And the Word lovingly tells us this truth is that Jesus must be Lord. He must be Lord. That He doesn't play second fiddle to anything in our life, but He must be Lord. Friends, He must be Lord. And the truth of the matter is this, in grace and love, and listen, I tell you this, and, and, and with deepest sincerity, but if Jesus is not Lord, it doesn't matter how long your bottom has been in a chair at church. If Jesus is not Lord, it doesn't matter what you've given. It doesn't matter what you say. He must be Lord. He must be Messiah. He must be the fulfillment of what God spoke in the Word. And we must receive Him of that. And He must be the One who saves us. And when that happens, what takes place is this. Is that we come into new life. That the Holy Spirit begins to dwell in us. That we begin to live as sons and daughters of God. And if I could say it like this, is that this baptism is the baptism that you must have and the baptism that counts. But the Bible also talks about another baptism. And this is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Jesus talked about in Acts 1, 4 and 5. And he said this to them, and on, on one occasion, while they were eating, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command: Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Now let me remind you that Jesus is saying this after the resurrection. After He breathed on them and told them to receive the Holy Spirit. And He's saying, I want you to wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you receive the baptism of repentance, the baptism of salvation. But there is another baptism that you can receive. And it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What we read about in Acts chapter 2, 1-4. through What's the distinction between the two? I want to read to you from two examples in the book of Acts. In Acts 11, 15 and 17, this is Peter speaking. He says, as, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and he had, as He had come on us at the beginning... And then I remembered what the Lord said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He's referencing Acts 1, 4 and 5. So if God gave them the same gift He gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Peter here is talking about the experience that he had with Cornelius. And if you go back to Acts 9, 10 and 11, what you see is this is that the angel of the Lord, the Lord visited Peter and commanded him to go to Cornelius through a powerful vision. At the same time, God was speaking to Cornelius and the angel of the Lord showed up to Cornelius and said that there's going to be a man named Peter who's going to come and speak to you. And when the collision of this happened, what took place was this, is that Cornelius, a man who the Bible calls as a God-fearing man, because his heart was set on God, had filled up his house with his family and his friends. And when Peter and some of his friends came with him, as they came into Cornelius' house, what took place is that Peter began to share the gospel and all of a sudden, the baptism of the Holy Spirit filled Cornelius. And Peter's recollection of this account goes like this. He says, I saw what had first come on us. And what he's referring to is Acts chapter 2. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit hit the disciples and filled them with power, he said, I saw that same Spirit come on Cornelius and his family. And I remembered what Jesus said in Acts 1. He said that John baptized with water, but I'm going to come and I'm going to baptize in the Holy Spirit. And Peter steps back and he says, who am I? to resist them from receiving Jesus Christ if the Holy Spirit's baptism has been poured out on them. There's a distinction between the two. Let me read to you another example. I'm setting a foundation here, guys. Stay with me, please. Acts 19, 1-7. Some of you have never heard this before. Some of you have. You can write these down. You can go back to them. You can look at them. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus when he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, then what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
means this, is that they came into salvation, that first baptism. But listen to this in verse 6. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. Do you see that? The two things. That first they received the baptism unto salvation, but then when Paul laid hands on them, that they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I want to flip the script really quick. And I want to talk about this. The reality is, is this truth still necessary in the church today? You guys, listen, I, I, want, to, I want to pause, okay? Because I'm going about fourth into fifth gear right now, and some of you guys are like your heads are blown back, all right? I see you, don't worry, it's okay. Everybody take a breath and laugh and relax, all right? Nothing weird's about to happen, I'm not pulling out any snakes, we don't do that here, all right? I need to make you laugh because you need to, you need to receive this is that I'm setting a foundation. I'm setting a foundation. I'm testifying about the Holy Spirit. And when we honor the Holy Spirit, He shows up. When we honor the Holy Spirit, He shows up. Okay, now listen. I had a beautiful conversation with my brother-in-law about this just the other day. Do we still need the Holy Spirit today? Some of you have been taught that the Holy Spirit is not the way that it showed up in the, the book of Acts in Acts chapter 2. That it's done. It's over. And I want to look at this scripture really quick. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8 and, t- 8 and 10. This is Paul. This is a beautiful chapter. This is the, what we call the love chapter. It talks all about what love is. It's a wonderful, wonderful chapter in the New Testament. And in verse 8 it says, Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. And where there are tongues, they will be stilled. And where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Sometimes, for some of us, we've been taught that what this means is this. Is that the completeness was the work of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts to promote the Gospel. It's a dispensationalist, a wrong dispensationalist perspective. But I want to explain to you, in honor of the Holy Spirit, what this means. Is this word completeness doesn't mean the end of a time. In the sense of the end of the work of the, of the apostles in the book of Acts. But this word completeness means until the coming of Christ Jesus. Until the coming of Christ Jesus. When you look at it in context and you look at it in meaning, there's only one way to understand this. And the context is the return of Christ. So then we ask ourselves this question, is the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit still for today? And the answer is yes. It's a resounding yes. They're needed and they're necessary for today. What does the, Holy, what does the baptism of the Holy Spirit Give us. I'm almost done with today, guys. And then we're going to pray and we're going to minister. Three things that the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us. It gives us the power to know Him, Jesus Christ, in a deeper way. It gives us the power to be a witness for Him. In Acts 1.8, this is what Jesus said when the disciples asked Him, when will you come and return the kingdom of Israel 
restore the kingdom back to Israel, back to Jerusalem, and set up your authority, remove Rome. When you come and abolish the, 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 the tyrancy of Rome, Roman Empire. This is what Jesus answered, and He said in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. This is what the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit did as we witness in Acts 2, is that they became empowered to be a witness. And I want to tell you something, that the, one of the primary functions of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not to show off. It's not for you to run to a church building to have an experience. One of the primary purposes of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to carry the gospel of the resurrection of Jesus Christ into the world with power. Now let me ask you a question. If you were going to testify about the power of the resurrection, which is mind-blowing, isn't it? If you were going to tell somebody that Jesus was alive, that He overcame death, mere words don't cut it. Mere words don't cut it. And when you read the book of Acts, what you see and what you have to understand about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is this. Is that Jesus knew this, and this is why the Holy Spirit has come. And this is why the Holy Spirit is power to be a witness. is because the, the witness of the resurrection has to be testified in power. That's why Paul himself said this, I didn't come to you in words and deeds, but I came to you in the power of the Gospel. Because the power of the resurrection has to be seen. It has to be felt. The baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us power to minister in the last days. In Acts 2, starting in verse 16, as Peter got up, empowered by the Holy Spirit, he said this to the onlookers there. And the tongues that they were speaking of on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, were tongues that were heard by the different people in their own dialect. And they heard it and, they were, and the disciples were speaking in the different languages of those who had gathered, the faithful Jews that had gathered into Jerusalem that came from all over the different regions and they spoke different languages and they came in. And on that particular time, that gift came out so that the people that heard it, they heard it in their own language. And this is what Peter says. As he quotes from the prophet Joel, he says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out My Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on My servants, both men and women, I will pour out My Spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, and the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What Peter is speaking from prophetically is the book of Joel. And what you see is a snapshot of time between the moment of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the return of Jesus Christ. And he's saying this, is that part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that we begin to minister in power and these accompanying gifts of the Holy Spirit begin to flow. Why? Because they crack open doors where doors have been closed in the hearts of people for so long that they begin to open up hearts 
And they begin to draw people to the testimony and the truth of Jesus Christ. And he concludes this, 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 this prophetic word from Joel by saying that this time will happen until the return of Jesus Christ, the great and the dreadful day of the Lord. But anyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. What's the purpose? To bring people into the kingdom. What's the purpose of prophecy? What's the purpose of vision? What's the purpose of dreaming dreams? What's the purpose of signs and wonders? Why do we desire these things? Why should we want these things? Why should we expect these things within the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And the answer is this, so that the harvest can come in to Jesus Christ before He returns. Let me wrap this up. Justin, you can come on up, man. Moms, I'm going to pray for you this morning. Young people, I'm going to pray for you. Anybody who wants to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray for you. Anybody who wants to be refilled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to pray for you. This is one of the most amazing things that we see in the book of Acts is that even though this happened in Acts 2, that it wasn't concluded with Acts 2, but the disciples, the the Apostles, they, they would gather together and they would be refilled. And what I'm telling you this morning is this, is that it's not one and done. That we constantly need a refilling in our life. That we need to, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life. Yes, we can cultivate this, but we need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in our life from time to time. This morning, if you're in a place where you say, look, maybe you've received that, and you say, I need, I need a, another, another drink, then you can receive that. This morning, if you've come and you say, look, I, I've come in and I've received the baptism of salvation, but I want to step into this place. Hey, we're going to pray for you, but we're not going to push you over. You don't have to say anything. Let me be perfectly clear. Yes, speaking in tongues, and this is a lot of times where, if we're honest, sometimes we get nervous about, don't we? The manifestation of speaking in tongues is just one sign. It's not the only sign. And this morning, if you want to receive that, that gift of, and I'm going to talk in just a second about the value of speaking in tongues in your personal life, and as we go further in the book of Acts, we're going we're gonna to lay out the gifts of the Holy Spirit because there's places where we see that. This morning, if you want that, you can receive that. But I want to be very clear with you, that's not what it's all about. That we all need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to begin to walk in the power of what we were redeemed for, the purpose of what we were redeemed for. So, what do we need to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How does this happen? There's no method, there's no model, but there's just a couple of things in different places that we can begin to set our heart. And the first thing is this, is believe. Believe in the person, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Believe that He is God. Believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for you. Believe. And if you trust in that, 
And you believe in that. You're setting your heart in that place. Yield. Yield your life. You don't force anything. You don't make anything happen. You just receive. You yield. You yield. You yield. And then finally, just receive. Just receive it. It's very simple. It's a free gift. It's beautiful. But all you need to do is believe to yield and receive. How do we walk in the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day? Well, the Bible says that we can pray in the Spirit. And in Jude 1.20, we see this. It says, but you, dear friends, by building yourself up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Paul even references this in 1 Corinthians 14.3. He says, but the one who prophesies speaks to the people for their strengthening, encouraging, comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. But the one who prophesies edifies the church. One of the easiest ways to cultivate the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day in your life is to spend time praying in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. That's for your personal edification. That's for your growth. Why? Because you'll pray and you'll spend time praying in the Spirit. And the Scripture is really clear about what happens and what takes place when we pray in the Spirit. And it's this, is that we, we, don't, we don't know the words that we're speaking, but it's the overflow of the Holy Spirit. But Paul says this, is that I pray in my spirit and then I pray in my understanding. And there have been times in prayer. I just want to tell you about my life for just a second. That I didn't know what to pray. But I felt the pressure around me. But as I began to pray in the spirit in my own time, in my own life, what happens is this, is that there is a moment of breakthrough in my life where I begin to understand because have you ever been in the place where you're completely overwhelmed and you don't know if to ask God to, to rescue, for help, to release, to, to do something, or to go another direction? Have you ever been in a place in your life where you don't know what to do? And so when you present yourself in prayer, what are you asking for? And this is the power of praying in the Spirit. Because when you don't know what to ask for, the Spirit intercedes inside of you to the Father and begins to testify of exactly what you need because the Spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you, knows what you need. And you don't have to understand the words because there will be a moment when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit drops in exactly what He's saying and you're going to begin to pray with a level of authority and truth that's going to bring breakthrough in your life. You don't have to believe me. Try it. How do you walk in the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day? We have to spend time to listen and receive a fresh baptism. Start every day listening to the Holy Spirit. Start every day asking for a fresh baptism. Start every day expecting the Holy Spirit to supernaturally lead you. How do we walk in the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day? Take a step of faith. One of the more, most important elements of walking in the baptism of the Holy Spirit every day is that we have to expect if God is going to lead us, if the Holy Spirit is going to lead us in power, 
that we've got to begin to move. And that means you have to take a step. That you have to go where the Holy Spirit tells you to go and you have to share and speak what the Holy Spirit is asking you to speak. I want to share with you just a couple of stories about how the Holy Spirit worked in my life. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Some of you have said, look, I don't know if I believe what you're saying. Believe what happened then. When my son was just a little guy, He was this little guy. He woke up on an Easter. It was Easter, huh? Well, shoot. My wife just shrugged off my story. He woke up. My mother-in-law might know. Her and my father-in-law sped over and got pulled over by the police. He had 107 fever. We had taken him in. And he had gotten an infection in his ears. And Kim put him in the bathtub. They rushed him to the emergency room. The antibiotics that he had gotten the day before weren't powerful enough. And the, the virus, the, the infection that was in his body was overpowering the, the antibiotic. And I watched my little guy just shake and tremble. And I was scared. And the doctors told us he's going to need two tubes in his ears. Mm. <clears throat> but Monty, who is the founding pastor of this church, some of you don't know him, and I wish you did. He told me a story about his daughter Annie having the same thing. And he stuck his finger in Annie's ear. And Monty was a Southern Baptist. That's a mess with some of you. Until he got booted out of his church for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That should mess with some of you even more. And he stuck his finger in his daughter's ear. And he looked at his little girl and said, do you believe that Jesus can heal you? She just nodded yes. And Jesus healed his ears, her ears. And I remembered that story. And I stuck my fingers in my son's ears. And I said, son, I know you don't know, but do you believe Jesus can heal you? I don't even know if he said yes. He said, in the name of Jesus, ears be open, be healed. My son never got tubes in his ears. I remember the time that the church in California that I was at, some of you have heard these stories before, some of you haven't, that we just got crazy enough to believe that God still speaks to us today, and so we did something insane called a treasure hunt. We got together and we prayed and we asked God for some specific words for people that we've never met before. And we wrote those words down. 
And as we prayed in a group, God would share with each of us a different thing. And on this particular trip we went on, somebody, God shared with one, one person the clothing that a person was wearing. And then the senior pastor I was with, God shared with him a name. And then with somebody else, God said music and guitar. And somebody else, God spoke that he had a broken family. And so we just went to Northridge Mall. That was just right around the corner from our church. And we just started walking around. And we looked really dumb. Because we looked like creepers. And we just kept walking around. And all of a sudden, we would look at our list every once in a while. And we'd have all the same things on the list. And we saw this kid sitting over in this corner that was wearing what we had written down. And we walked up to him. And we said, look, this is going to sound crazy, but we think we're supposed to talk to you because Jesus loves you. And he showed you to us. And my senior pastor goes, is your name Julio? And this kid's eyes got like saucers. His name was Julio. And then we said, hey, do you play music? He said, yes, I play guitar, but I haven't in a while. Said, hey, do you have a broken relationship with your mom? And he starts crying. We began to pray for that young man and we led him to Jesus in the mall. Oh, just dumb luck, huh? I witnessed my daughter Madeline when she was 12 years old. As we had a guy come into our church who was a junior high youth pastor and spoke. And began to speak to a generation that they could do the things that Jesus did. And then he asked people in the congregation, is there something physically wrong with your body? And there was a, a woman there who had a leg that was shorter than the other. And she had back pain up and down her spine. And she told the man this. And he said, I want you to sit down on the front row right there. And I want you to stretch out your legs. And then he stopped and he said, I want to show you something. I want you not to think that this is me. But he said, I want to have somebody come up here. And he pulled up my 12-year-old daughter. And he said, I want you. To lay hands on him. And as she laid hands on him, that leg grew out. And that pain left. And that damage to that back left. Oh, that's just crazy. That doesn't happen anymore. Why not? We need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. We need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit this morning. Moms, I believe for you, what I heard the Holy Spirit say is that He wants to burn what is dead off of your life. He wants to burn the struggle and the stress and the strain off of your life and fill you with the fresh baptism of fire to fill you for the calling that God has put in your life. Would you stand to your feet? No, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. We just welcome you here.
Uh, we welcome you here. We just welcome you here, Holy Spirit. Mm. Moms, I want you to do something for me. I'm going to ask for two things. Moms, if you want a, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm not, nobody's going to push you over. I'm going to pray for you. Because I want you to step out and I want you to make your way up front. If you want that, come on up. Thanks, moms. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's about to. <clears throat> hey, now, now, um, if you got any kind of um, children representation here, I want you to come around your uh, your moms. Children, come around your moms. Come around your moms. Oh. Hmm. 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 Hey guys, can you just start singing I exalt thee? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mom's just just yield. Just yield. Just yield. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We just welcome you here, Holy Spirit. Hey, young people, if you don't have a mom, if you don't have a young person around you, then husbands, come on up. I want you just to begin to pray. Pray over your moms. Pray over your wives. Yep. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I've only sought glorify. Just drink. Just drink in from the Holy Spirit. Just right now, Holy Spirit, a fresh baptism. A fresh baptism. A fresh baptism. A fresh baptism. Joseph. Joseph. A fresh baptism. Come on. Come on. Mm. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, I just want to do one last thing. If you're in middle school or high school, would you guys, would you come up here? Oh, I know you don't want to, but come up here. I just want to pray a prayer of you. Thomas, it's you, buddy. Come on. Don't be afraid. That's my boy right there. Come on. I know there's more. Come on. Come on. There's more. There's a few of you. Come on. Is that it? That's all right. Y'all get closer together. Where's your sisters at? All right. They all ran and they all hid. 
Oh, stand right here. Stand next. It's okay. Don't be, don't be scared. All right. I just want to pray over you. And I know there's more of you guys. But the Lord spoke something to me to release over you. Is that you guys, that God is going to birth a revival generation. And that there's been some wells that have been covered up in this area that God wants to open up. And you're part of that. And there's going to be a revival. Hey, Holly, where are you at? Come on. You didn't go far, did you? All right. I'm going to let Holly actually pray for you guys. Come up here, Holly. You can't stay by the junior highs. Hey, this is okay, guys. Listen, there's more done in the power of the Holy Spirit than we can talk about any other Sunday. So here's what I want you to do. I want you guys to close your eyes. We're not even going to touch you, okay? But we're just going to pray a release of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of revival over you and that those wells of revival that have been laid in the past, that the, they've been tried, the enemies tried to cover those up, the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm undigging these wells. And they're for this generation. Uh-oh. Mm. They're for this generation. Oh, God is going to begin to give you a heart for Him that is going to blaze and it's going to blow the hair off of people. That there's going to be a deep, deep, deep revelation of the Holy Spirit that's going to come and fill you. And some of you are going to get it today. Some of you are going to get it when you go to camp. Some of you are going to get it just when you're in your bed. And the Holy Spirit is going to begin to flow through you. And it is going to begin to set some things in motion in you for revival. Um, Before I pray for them, the Lord's been speaking to me about these guys for a while. I just want to share a little bit. Number one, he told me um, the way we can partner with them is always constantly reminding them of who they are in the Lord. So this generation, um, the enemy wants to steal their identity, but that's not going to happen, okay? And as parents, as leaders, as um, every one of you guys in this church, like, it's our job to just constantly remind them of who they are, that they are children of God. And... um, So I I think that the Lord is going to create in them such a strong, strong identity. The second thing is that this generation is the most creative generation. Like, they are going to do things so different. And I've seen this generation struggle a little bit because they're like, I don't don't know where I fit. And it's like, you don't fit because you're supposed to look different. And it's so exciting. Like, you guys are so creative. Like, the Lord has created this this generation so creative. What they're going to do is going to look so different, and it's going to be so powerful. And the third thing is he showed me that this is a powerful, powerful generation that's going to come in like an army. And so I believe that you guys are just so, so powerful. And so... Anyways, I just want to share that with you guys, and we'll go ahead and pray for y'all. Lord, I just thank you for each of the students up here right now, Lord. I just pray right now that the Holy Spirit comes and falls on them, Lord, powerfully, Lord, that they would never, ever, ever 
be able to deny that it's you, Jesus. I pray right now for their identity that is so strong in you, that they know that they are your children, that they are daughters, and that they are sons, Lord, that they have your inheritance, Jesus. We pray, Lord, right now just for the creativity in them, Lord, that they would just think about things in a different way, that they would do things that we've never seen before, and that we would just be in awe, Lord, of everything that you're doing through them, that the impossible would be possible, Jesus. And I pray right now, Lord, just for power. I pray, Lord, that they would just be such a powerful generation for you, Lord, that they would fill stadiums, Lord, in your name, Jesus, that when they walk through their halls at their school, Jesus, that, that the kids know they're different. They feel something different. And that's your power, Lord. So we just pray, Lord, over them that the Holy Spirit would just fall, Lord, and that they would bring revival through your power. I feel like you're just saying they are a powerful, powerful generation. And I just see as they're opening their mouths, Lord, that it's like a lion roaring because they're so powerful from your Holy Spirit just resting on them, Jesus. We just pray, Lord, for dreams and visions, and we pray, Lord, that um, that when something comes into their mind that they feel like it's from you, that they act on it, that they would be bold, Lord. We just pray for a boldness, Jesus, for this generation. We love you, and we thank you, and we're so excited, and as this church, that we would just partner with them, that we would always encourage them, Lord. And that we would always stand behind them and that we would always support them, Jesus. And that we are always reminding them of who they are, Lord. Holy Spirit, just come. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. All right. Man. Wonderful. Well, Mom's happy Mother's Day. I hope that you got everything that you wanted. I hope that you got to drink from the well of the Holy Spirit. But I hope that you got some nice stuff, too. All right. And I hope that you have a great meal today. All right. That you don't have to make it or you don't have to clean up after it. All right. So. So what a great, great day. Jesus, we love you. I declare your grace over every person, over all the moms, over all the students, over all the children, all over all the husbands, over every person here. God, thank you, Holy Spirit. We love you. Amen. 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 Have a great day. Have a great day.